Hey, good morning. I hope you have you hope you've had a nice weekend. Marcy and I took a hike up into Highlight Canyon on Friday, and uh, that was great. So uh, I hope you're having a good time. Let's pray, Father. Would you uh, bring energy, the energy of your Holy Spirit, into our time together? Encourage us in the avenue that you want us to pursue. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're going to start out with a little video clip, uh, mostly because it's John Oakland's favorite video clip from The Wizard of Oz, a contemporary movie. Because we're talking about what it means to have a relationship with Christ as opposed, as opposed to just being a Christian. Those two things are not synonymous. Just like I can get married and yet know very little about the process of a healthy relationship with another person, so I can know that I'm a sinner in need of the grace and forgiveness of God. I can ask Him to forgive me and invite Him into my life. But that decision which gives me the assurance that if I were to die tonight, I would go to heaven and be with him. That decision by itself does not ensure that the dynamics of healthy relationship will exist between me and God. In this little video clip, uh, Dorothy and the cowardly lion and the tin man and the scarecrow and Toto have uh, come to the wizard for help and he sent them out on a journey instead and said can you do some stuff for me so they've gone out and they've destroyed the wicked witch and now they're coming back to the wizard and asking him to fulfill his promises to them Hail the Dorothy, the Wicked Witch is dead! Hey! Hail the Dorothy, the Wicked Witch is dead! The broom. May we have it? Please, and take it with you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> now we can go back to the wizard and tell him the Wicked Witch is dead. The Wicked Witch is dead, and I believe my eyes. Why have you come back? Please, sir, we've done what you told us. We brought you the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. We melted her. Oh, you liquidated her, eh? Very resourceful. Yes, sir. So we'd like you to keep your promise to us, if you please, sir. Not so fast. Not so fast. I'll have to give the matter a little thought. Go away and come back tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, but I want to go home now. You've had plenty of time already. Yeah. Do not arouse the wrath of the great and powerful Oz. I said come back tomorrow. If you are really great and powerful, you'll keep your promises. Do you presume to criticize the great Oz? You ungrateful creatures. Think yourselves lucky that I'm giving you audience tomorrow instead of 20 years from now. Oh. The great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, 
I don't believe you. No, I'm afraid it's true. There's no other wizard except me. You humbug! Yes, it's exactly so. I'm a humbug. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I, I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard. I thought personally the uh, special effects were pretty overwhelming. I believe God has placed in all of us a yearning for relationship. Atlantic Monthly, in an article not long ago, after a long longitudinal study of men, found that the single ingredient, as men get older, that contributes to both their physical and mental well-being, the single greatest contributor is relationships. We all hope for a God who is responsive, whom we can know. I was watching part of the funeral of Ted Kennedy and listened to some family and friends share that when his daughter, daughter Cara, had lung cancer, Ted Kennedy was going to church every day to pray for his daughter because we yearn for a responsive God, someone that we can know, someone who responds to us and we have a relationship with. But you know, sometimes it's kind of like uh, window shopping. We traffic in the phrase, have a personal relationship with Christ. But if we use the typical dynamics of a relationship, many believers are disappointed with the characteristics of a healthy relationship that really are not part of their walk with God. In fact, we start, uh, we start transferring the focus over. And even though we use the rhetoric of a personal relationship, we actually start making it about principles and behavior and belief systems. Now you can certainly go to the scripture and find principles, behaviors, and belief systems. But you can have principles, behaviors, and belief systems and not have a personal relationship. Not be walking with another person. Not be knowing them with any degree of intimacy. And so we're going to look at a little verse that gives us a statement that Jesus made to his disciples. It was an invitation to relationship. And your outline, we're just going to look at half of it today. And... Uh, so, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, for all the significance of belief systems, principles, and behaviors, the metaphors that God uses about himself in relationship to us in the New Testament are stacked with relational significance. He talks about being a father in relationship to his children. He talks about the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. He talks about the relationship between two friends. He says, I'm treating you like a friend because a friend tells a friend everything he's going to do, and I am telling you what I'm up to. 
So when we look at the metaphors that he uses, they're very relationship, relational. They're stuffed with the significance of walking with one another. Now, could I suggest that when we're trying to get a handle on what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ, one of the things he's suggesting is that some of the principles that make for a healthy relationship between a parent and a child, a husband and a wife, a friend to a friend, that those same principles apply as I build a relationship with God. Let's look at a couple of them this morning. Follow. I'd like you to consider that uh, this invitation to follow suggests two things. One, God was giving us a choice. Somehow, in the beginning of my Christian experience, I thought the Christian experience was mostly about God telling me what he wanted and me doing it. That may just be me. But God telling me what he wanted and me doing it. Now you tell me how that dynamic would work with a parent and a child, a husband and a wife, or a friend to a friend. Not all that well, would it? So I turn to my wife and I say, Woman, (laughs) this is what I want. And this is what we're going to do. Then I'd get my tent. (laughs) None of us would tolerate that kind of demeaning relationship with another person. And yet somehow Satan has so deceived us into thinking that that is part of the bedrock of a relationship with God. And then we wonder why some people are tentative about really getting... I, I want to I become a believer. I want to go to heaven when I die. But, but boy, that, that part, here's what I want, you do it. Is that really what he intended? In fact, the scriptures in the New Testament, as we read, find over and over again, Jesus turning to people and saying, what do you want? How can I help you? There was a two-way dialogue going along that had to do with choice. See, I don't disappear when I become a believer. That's not a healthy relationship. That's Buddhism, actually. I don't disappear. It is just the opposite. When we enter into a relationship with the Lord, He actually brings clarity and magnification to who He created us to be. And so... He invites us into a choice. Now, there's a couple of reasons why this matters. One is because a lot of believers seem to live with fear. Here's the kind of fear it is. It's the fear of getting it wrong. Say, well, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. I've been asking God what I should do. Well, what's he been saying? Well, nothing. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know what to do. There's this passivity, this tentativeness, because I'm afraid that my Christian life is like a dot-to-dot picture, except somebody forgot to put the numbers on the dots, and so every day I try to figure out how do I take this dot and build a line to the next dot, and I'm not sure even which dot to go to, 
And so I'm constantly afraid that I'm going to end up with the wrong dot. Now, how would you assess my parenting if my, li- my children lived with the constant fear that they were going to get it wrong? You would wonder, what kind of intimidation? Or, you're going to meet a friend for pizza, except you never know which friend is going to show up. It might be the friend that's jovial, but you know, the next week, they're not so jovial. They're temperamental. They're, they, they're going to explode. You're never quite sure what to say. It takes so much energy to be with them because they just seem so unpredictable at every stage. And you're walking on eggshells. Some people marry those kind of people. Some people date those kind of people. And some people think that God is that kind of God. But he's not. In a healthy relationship, choice is one of the ways that he uh, honors us. Uh, I think he gives you the choice of how fast you want to grow. I think he gives you the choice of what level you want to play at. I even think God gives you the choice to take detours. And he waits on the main road and says, there he goes again. I don't think he severs relationship because of that. Because choice is part of the dynamic of a healthy relationship. Say, is that biblical? The Bible says God wants to give you the desires of your heart. So he intends his relationship with you to be a dynamic relationship of two people. The second characteristic of following is a characteristic of commitment. Following is about not just a point in time. It's about a sequence of events. It's about a span of time. And that following needs and requires commitment. Now commitment isn't just resolve that I'm going to stay with you no matter what. Commitment allows a relationship to breathe. It's like in sports. It's, it's a team that's playing loose. They're relaxed. The player isn't always worried that they're gonna, he's gonna get, he or she's going to get cut from the team if he makes a mistake. He's not always looking over his or her shoulder, wondering what the coach is muttering on the sideline. Because in a healthy relationship, I'm committed to you and you are committed to me. So if my kids showed up regularly from school and wondered all the time whether they were going to get cut, I'm sorry, we had three kids, now we get two. Bring your next report card and we'll see if we'll adopt you. Hear the old joke about the child who brought the report card home? He had, he had three F's and a D. His father looked at it and said, looks to me like you're putting all your effort into one subject. <laughs> uh, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> you know why I think this matters? 
Because the Bible says that you and I in this fallen world see through a glass darkly. That we carry this treasure in an earthen vessel. That in this world it's like we're always running with weights around our ankles. And God knows that. I mean, haven't you ever been in a place in your life, I, I don't know how many times I've been there, where suddenly one day the light went on and I saw something and one of the things that I was stunned at was how obvious it was. And I could not conceive that it had taken me a decade to see that thing. Just stunned. Then it occurred to me that everybody else was wondering how long it was going to take me to see it. Because it was probably way more obvious to them than it even was to me. And so we have this God who's like a parent going to the basketball game, sitting in the stands, cheering on their son or daughter, showing up at the drama event, going to the fifth grade band concert, music that only a parent could love. <laughs> this God, please catch this phrase, this God who is very reluctant to disqualify people. In a group of this size, there are some of us who had the courage to come today, but we live internally with a frightening level of disqualification. And I want to tell you that is man-made. That is not God-breathed. God is very reluctant to disqualify people. When Peter had his meltdown, his public disgrace, denying the Lord, cursing, vehement anger for everybody to see. The next time Jesus and Peter met personally, Jesus didn't even bring it up. Commitment, the ability to breathe in a relationship. Follow me. You know, he says when he says me, one of the things scripture reminds us is that before Christianity are principles, it's personal. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a personal statement. And this was an invitation to a person who I could know. He said, follow me. And whenever we get into relationship with a person, there is an unwritten question that we intuitively ask as we enter that relationship. How safe is this going to be? Is this person going to harm me? How much of me do I dare be? Will they have my interests at stake? I regularly write in my journal, and it is a common sentence in my journal that... I'll start out a sentence. Lord, today, this is what I would like. And I list some things I like. 
Because you know, a lot of the things I like, God actually created me to like those things. He didn't create me not to want anything. And then I have another little phrase I regularly use. Lord, how can I serve you today? How can I serve you today? And so I enter into some relationship and one of the first things I'm asking is how safe will it be? You know what God says about himself? He said, if you want anything from me, you must believe that I am and that I am a rewarder of those who seek me. So one of the fundamental views of God is that God has a generous spirit towards you. God has a generous spirit. How you see him and how you think he sees you are two of the most important perspectives you carry in your life. And when he says, follow me, he is inviting us to understand that he has our interests at, in, at, at heart. And he is interested that we will have his interests at heart. Now nobody taught me this, but somehow in my fallenness I grew up thinking that God was more of a policeman, a judge, even a jailer. I often saw God as unreasonable, just like the parable of the talents. The talent is the amount of money and the master left, and one of the servants hid the money instead of investing it. And when the master got back, in this parable of Christ, we read that the, the servant says, Well, I knew that you were unreasonable. I knew that you would ask for a crop where no seeds were planted. I thought, you know, that's how I saw God. I saw him as an unreasonable person. If, if that's actually how we would see one another, we wouldn't be rushing into relationship with that kind of person. God is inviting us to see that he is a person of safety. So we read about a woman who was, who was discovered at one of her most humiliating moments. She'd been involved in adultery. And scripture uses this phrase, she was caught in the very act of adultery. And she was drug, drug out, disgraced into a public setting. And there Jesus was challenged about what was going to happen to this woman. The Bible says in this public setting, he knelt down, he started to write in the ground, right on the dirt. There's speculation about what he wrote. But nevertheless, as he wrote, Scripture tells us that the accusers of this woman began to drift away. And as they melted away, he finally stood and he turned to her and he said, where are your accusers? And she said, well, they've all gone. And then Jesus said words that it is unlikely she could have comprehended would ever come from him. He says, well, neither do I accuse you. And do you know what Satan is called in the scriptures? He's called the accuser. And a lot of people live with a spirit of accusation where they are under accusation. If you are under a spirit of accusation, it is very unlikely that that is coming from God. Jesus said, I don't accuse you either. But you know, you go on your way and don't, don't, don't do this again. This isn't good for you. 
Notice the safety and the gentleness of how he spoke to her. Then lastly, not only is there safety, but there's exposure. The Bible tells us that we call the scriptures the revelation of God, that God's always talking and he's always telling me about himself. One of the things we decide in relationship is who we're going to be to the other person. How much of me will I disclose? God shows us how much he's going to disclose. He sends in order to communicate who he is. He sends his son to earth. He has his son walking among us for 33 years. His exposure is so great that he allows himself to be arrested, to be flogged, and beaten, to be hung on a cross, and to be murdered for us. That's his commitment to us. That's the kind of exposure he gives. And he invites us in that relationship to do the same, to live a life of exposure. Now, catch this. Exposure brings freedom. Exposure brings freedom. Satan counts that you will have more confidence in your secrets than you will in his redemptive power. And so he urges you to keep your cards close to your chest, to not expose much about who you are. But the healthier the relationship gets, the more we expose one another, expose ourselves to each other. And the more I find out and move from secrets into exposure, the more I meet Christ. Because when when I've got a bunch of this stuff covered over, then if I won't own it, I can't meet Christ there. So the more I live in exposure, the more I meet Christ. And so he invites me into this life of exposure, of openness to him. Now those are qualities of a healthy relationship. Safety and exposure, choice and commitment. Marcy and I are far from perfect parents. In fact, sometimes I despaired of my parenting ability. My wife grew up with one of 11 children, and she was the oldest daughter of 11. So she was accustomed to be around kids all the time. My dad was the youngest in his family, and they didn't have children until they'd been married seven years, and it was just my brother and I. So I didn't grow up, grow up around kids at all. So the only thing I knew about babies is they seemed breakable. And so I tried not to do much with them until they got old enough that they seemed more, more uh, dependable, and... Uh, I just despaired. But you know, one of the neat things about being my age, we have three kids, something I wasn't, I didn't know would happen, and then when it happened, it got sweet, is that your kids reach an age where they don't have to come home unless they want to. And our kids like to come home. They like to come home. They like to invite their friends home.
They like to tell us stuff they did when they were in high school that we didn't know about. It's increased my conviction that there are guardian angels. I've been, in, in the, I've been to the police station with every one of my kids. I was once pulled off a golf course in the best round of golf I had ever played <laughs> to go to a police station. <laughs> in my relationship with my children, without being too earthy, has helped me understand what God yearns for with me and with all of us. Because I yearn for the safety of my children. And I am committed to them sitting on the sidelines cheering for their endeavors. And I hope they feel safe enough to talk to me about what's really going on in their life. And at 59, I still try to talk to them about what's going on in my life. And I try to respect them by giving them choice. And you might say, yeah, but that's just you and you're human. Yes, but you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if you, being human and sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to you? Well, I think that's it for today. Would you set your things aside for just a few minutes? And uh, thanks for being so attentive this morning. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Nobody's going to embarrass anyone this morning, but we want to give each of us a chance to commit ourselves to what God's saying today to you. With our heads bowed and none of us looking around, could I ask you, have you felt disqualified? Has there been an event or circumstance in your life which, which has caused you to live with the daily feeling that somehow you are disqualified from walking into the presence of God with a sense of freedom. Do you see God as a unreasonable, someone who's going to constantly ask more than you can do? You find yourself, though desiring to be in right relationship with him, do you find yourself tentative, backing away? The Lord wants to invite you to understand that he yearns for a relationship with you. That not only can you pray this morning and just ask the Lord to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and give you the hope of eternal life. 
Today, you can begin to assess your relationship with the Lord. And you can make, you can make a course of action that you're going to choose and commit. And you're going to understand that He's safe. And that you can be exposed and be who you are authentically with Him. And right now, you can just pray and say, Lord, would you, would you, would you help me in this? I've lived too long feeling disqualified. I've lived too long feeling disqualified. Just like a healthy relationship between a husband and wife or a parent and child. I want a healthy relationship with you. Would you help me in that today, Lord? Would you give me grace to begin an adventure of walking with you? I'm just going to wait for a moment. You pray what's on your heart today. looking around but just to honor the Lord if you're praying this morning would you just slip your hand up and say you know I'm asking God to do something fresh in my life slip your hand up yeah up here in the front another one in the front over here on my left way over on my left anybody else Father thank you for the relationship you invite us to we thank you for the principles of your word that we know are true and dependable. We thank you for behaviors that will bring life. But Lord, we thank you that you want to walk personally with us. You want to help us know you personally as you know us. For these who slip their hands up, I pray that you'll rush grace to them and for all of us. Help us not to traffic in unexperienced truth, but to know that we can walk with you as we walk with a friend. In Jesus' name, amen.